Okay. So um, under California's law, every city in the state has to maintain a general plan that is internally consistent um, and contains um, policies that are compatible and, and coherent. Um, what it does is um, it is a statement of long-term goals, objectives, and policies that guide uh, and, and really provide a blueprint for the future growth and development in the city. And typically in the general plan, we see a planning horizon, so the timeline for what we're planning over about 20 years. Um, so, so the general plan that we are preparing um, today in 20, uh, that we started in 2020 is really has, is looking out at a horizon of 20 years out to um, 2040. And so we've been calling it the general plan 2040 update. Um, the city's current general plan was adopted in 1991. And so really it's been 30 years since we've um, um, did a comprehensive update. Now over the years, um, the city of Alameda has been working with the community to update several elements. And, you know, uh, the transportation element, for example, was done in 2008. Um, noise and safety elements um, just several years ago, I believe in 2016 or 2017. Um, but, but really, um, the effort to do a comprehensive update is really to identify new, uh, new themes, um, addresses any um, current matters that, that are pressing for the city, for example, climate change and sea level rise, um, issues like the affordable housing and housing crisis, transportation, mobility, those are all sort of new um, issues that the community in Alameda weren't necessarily focusing on back in 1990. Um, and so, you know, we are planning because there's population growth, housing need, job growth, employment growth and some of the current trends that I've talked about just now. Um, really quickly, want to talk about the process. This, um, we, we envisioned this as a one-year process starting in uh, last August when, we, when staff released the first draft of the general plan. Uh, the city staff then held several uh, uh, forums with the planning board, but at the same time, we've been going to various boards and commissions to to um, gather input and outreach. Um, particularly, I do wanna note that um, Chris Buckley and the, the members of the APS have been um, very instrumental in providing a lot of substantive comments. And so we are taking a lot of their comments um, and working on a second draft. Um, so you will see on the schedule right there in the middle that our plan is to bring back a second draft of the general plan to release that for public review shortly after um, under California environmental law, um, the city has to prepare an environmental impact report that goes along with the general plan. Um, and so that will also be um, released around that time. And I anticipate that there'll be another round of public hearings with various boards and commissions, including his, the historical advisory board um, um, sometime late spring and, and during the summer. And the goal would be to perhaps in the late summer or early fall, go to the city council for um, adoption. So at this point, what I wanted to do is um, play a, the presentation that was um, presented to the planning board on um, on one of the four themes of the general plan. And, and um, the presentation is given by our planning director, Andrew Thomas, and he will describe the, the four themes of the general plan as part of that. So let me share the screen again. This time I will um, play the video.
comments we've received so far. Um, let's move into theme number two. But before we do that, just so everybody understands how the general plan is structured, if you haven't had a chance to, to review the general plan on the website, um, this might help uh, set the context. The general plan in the introduction chapter sets four themes, four themes that run through the entire document, four overall goals for the next 20 years and, and, and the city of Alameda. Uh, those four themes are number one, around equity and inclusion and diversity. Number two, around preserving character of Alameda, preserving that special character. And that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight. Uh, theme number three is about the environment, protecting the environment and dealing with climate change. Um, and four is about mobility and quality of life on this island. Um, so those are the four themes. Uh, they're supported and implemented through six chapters or what's called elements. And each chapter is organized around a particular subject matter. For example, the land use and city design element deals with those issues. The conservation and climate action element deals with those kinds of issues. The mobility element with mobility and transportation, the housing element, the parks open space element, the safety and noise element. Those, policy, those elements are filled with policies and we name the policies, we give them codes. Um, LU1 is the first policy in the land use element. LU2 is the second policy. So you'll see in this presentation and future presentations, and as we talk about the general plan, we'll be referring to policies. It's a policy document. Um, so knowing how they're numbered and where to find them is, will be helpful to you. Um, let's move to the next slide. Okay, so tonight's um, presentation is really about the second theme and some of those policies that implement the theme. And this is about the theme of, of preserving and enhancing Alameda's historic neighborhood character. And how do we do that over the next 20 years? How do we make sure we really embrace and, and maintain and preserve the key characteristics that make Alameda so special? And we do that through all sorts of things, the design of buildings, the design of streets, um, our transportation system and how it works, our connections to the waterfront, to gateways, between neighborhoods, um, and the interconnection of public parks and open spaces and commercial areas. Um, and that's really what we're going to be focusing on tonight. Some policies that are really zeroing in on those kinds of issues. Of course, these themes and these policies have to support not only this theme, but also the other three themes. The theme that we discussed last month, developing a healthy, equitable, and inclusive city. And then the two other themes, protecting the environment, responding to the climate crisis, and meeting regional responsibilities, as well as enhancing mobility, accessibility, and life on an island. So all policies should support all themes. <clears throat> Next slide, please. So in the general plan, you'll see we've defined, like, what, what is Alameda's character? I mean, we all talk about it, but what do we really mean? What are the characteristics that make up that character that we need to be sure to preserve? So we, we um, listed them in the general plan. You'll see this in the land use chapter, um, a, a spotlight on Alameda's character. And the characteristics we identified were walkability, you know, tree-lined streets. We described them as leafy streets centers we have a we have park street we have webster street they serve as centers to our neighborhoods and our city generally is very mixed use there you can walk between uses they're generally uses are pretty close to each other 
connections to the water and our natural environment. Obviously being an island is critical to what makes Alameda, Alameda. Um, human scale buildings and streets. Buildings and streets that are scaled to, to feel comfortable to a human being. Um, that's part of what makes Alameda, Alameda. And, but how do, you, how do we make sure we keep doing that? That seems critical for the next 20 years. And then of course, high quality architecture and design. Um, Alameda has a fantastic building stock. Um, so we asked about this in the survey and generally people said, You're, yeah, it's about 68%. You're like, yep, that's pretty much it. You got it. 32% um, raised a number of interesting questions and issues though for us, um, which are familiar to most of us. Yeah, but what about growth and building and new buildings? How is that going to affect our character? Can we do that? and still um, maintain our character. Well, what about the effect of growth and new housing on transportation? And our transportation system seems to really be hurting us in terms of its, its effect on our, uh, the, our quality of life and the character of, of Alameda. Um, and um, you know, this, this general plan recognizes those challenges and addresses them very specifically in, in some of the policies that we're about to uh, present to you tonight. Uh, next slide, please. The first policy is um, land use policy 17. It's in land use element. And it's really about managing change and preserving character. So one of the most important aspects of, of this policy and other policies is directing growth and change to particular areas, such as the Alameda Point, Park Street and Webster Street, the Northern Waterfront, uh, some of the uh, shopping centers like South Shore and, of course, for jobs, the Harbor Bay Business Park. Um, those are the areas of the city which will see the most change, the most new building over the 20, next 20 years. But all neighborhoods will see some change. And we need to have policies to direct those changes in a way that um, achieves our goals, our goals as a community for the next 20 years. Next slide, please. Policy HE14 is from the housing element. It's about, and it says, maintain the integrity of existing residential neighborhoods by protecting and enhancing the historic architecture and ensuring that new development complements the density and physical and aesthetic character of the neighborhood and the surrounding areas. So this is about how do we integrate new development into existing neighborhoods? As you can see from the pictures at the top, um, Alameda has wonderful single-family home neighborhoods with predominantly single-family homes, as well as neighborhoods with um, beautiful four-story apartment buildings. What the graphic below shows, and this is a graphic from Optics, um, and I can't see the name. Uh, Amy, maybe you can help me out the name. Dan Paralek. Dan Paralek. This is a graphic that he produced, which talked about the missing middle housing, which is everything in between those two that single family neighborhood and the four story apartment. There's a whole range of duplexes and triplexes and courtyard apartments and bungalow courts and townhomes and multiplexes and live work types of buildings that can fit within and in between um, those two different 
those two, you know, the single family and the higher density housing. Um, and that's uh, very much what this policy is about. And this general plan has that perspective that we can integrate new buildings within an existing fabric um, in a way that's sensitive and um, complementary. Uh, next slide, please. Um, the important role of design review in, in maintaining Alameda's character, that's what land use policy 27 is about. You know, it says ensure a built environment that de-emphasizes the automobile and enhances Alameda's historic pedestrian and transit oriented urban fabric and architectural heritage and do it by harmonizing scale between buildings, pedestrian orientated design, articulation, style, quality, high quality style and materials. And of course, being very careful about windows. Um, these are the, the, by through the design review process, we can integrate buildings. Uh, these are two new into our ex fabric in a way that's complementary and that supports the historic character. These are two new buildings built in Alameda in the last 10 years. Um, the one at the bottom, four story apartment building, it's at Alameda Point, one of our priority development areas. The one at the top, is not in a priority development area. It's on Lincoln Street, not far from City Hall, and it fits right into the neighborhood. It does a beautiful job of setting within an existing neighborhood and um, complementing and, and supporting the urban design of that neighborhood. Um, interestingly, both these buildings are 100% affordable. So we do a really good job in Alameda in integrating affordable housing into the fabric. Next slide, please. <clears throat> the policy LU29 reads, maintain and enhance the historic urban form and character of Park Street and Webster Streets of predominantly mid-rise multi-story buildings with ground floor commercial uses punctuated by taller buildings at block corners. And when we say form-based planning, what we're talking about is let's plan based on the shape and size and positioning of how we want buildings to sit on the land. It's the form of the building that we care about that's important to our, to our character and what we're trying to achieve. Um, so this policy is trying to describe that for Park Street. These are two photographs um, from the turn of the century of Park Street, um, which does a very good job of depicting kind of what we're describing. That's what we imagine. Um, what's interesting is, at least from our perspective, and is look at all the housing above the ground floor retail. That's what we're trying to encourage on Park Street. Um, and it's um, it's part of our history, uh, the history of Park Street. It's the other aspect of this is the human scale. That's, a, that's what makes Alameda special and one of the characteristics that we're looking for. So the missing middle housing, this form and this relationship of people to the street, to the buildings um, is the human scale that when people say, oh, it's a human scale community, this is kind of what we think is uh, an illustration of that. Next slide, please. Historic preservation is a huge part of 
of Alameda, the history of Alameda over the last 30 years, 40 years, um, and is, is strongly supported by the past general plan and this general plan moving forward. Policy LU-26 reads, preserve and protect and restore historic sites, districts, buildings of architectural significance, archaeological resources, properties, and public works, and then lists some of those key actions that are critical to doing that, partnerships with other agencies, with property owners, with organizations like the Alameda Architectural Preservation Society. Um, that's what the, uh, the um, other actions, of course, are our strong demolition controls, use um, appropriate, only allowing appropriate alterations through the Historic Advisory Board, preserve archaeological resources, and of course, we need to protect our iconic city-owned buildings. But um, this general plan obviously supports historic preservation uh, as a critical policy objective over the next 20 years. Next slide, please. Moving to the issue of transportation. Transportation is a major issue in Alameda. And what you hear again and again, and we see it in our surveys, is um, the traffic. The, the traffic is affecting the quality of life in Alameda. It's affecting um, the what it's what it means what the character of the community, um, and and the the uh, concern is often stated in terms of uh, it's because we're building housing that's generating the traffic, which is then detrimental to our community character. Um, this, the 1990 general plan dealt with this issue. In one of its themes, it's emphasized the need to de-emphasize the automobile, recognizing that the automobile is causing problems for the maintaining the character of the community. This is back in 30 years ago in 1990. So this general plan continues with that emphasis, the emphasis on de-emphasizing the automobile. It recognizes that the character of Alameda is defined by a historic character, a character of pedestrian-oriented streets, generally two lanes, not four lanes. Um, they were designed for transit. They were designed for streetcars. They were designed for low speed and low volume. Um, that is the character of Alameda and our streets. And this general plan says, yeah, that's what we need to be doing. Um, we need to be prioritizing the kinds of modes of transportation that use those kinds of streets pedestrians, bicyclists, transit. We want cars going slow. And frankly, we don't want, you know, as we want the volume of cars to be as low as possible. So the more people that use the other alternatives, the better. And we need to invest in those streets and change them because they were originally built that way at the turn of the century. And then they've been modified over the years um, to accommodate the automobile. And so now we need to start thinking about, is that really the direction we want to go for the next 20 years? This general plan says, no, that's not the direction you want to go. You actually want to be modifying and investing in your streets to reverse that trend. Um, and of course, this all supports safe and healthy neighborhoods. That's the direction of this general plan. Next slide, please. Um, policy, land use policy two really focuses on the role of street design in our historic character and creating complete neighborhoods. And once again, this concept that we need complete streets to have complete neighborhoods and to get to where we wanna go. So that means making sure the streets are equally safe for pedestrians, for bicyclists, and for automobiles. Um, and doing all the actions necessary to invest and plan 
and implement streets that really work for what we need our transportation system to do um, and do it in a way that preserves that's those special characteristics that we know as Alameda. Next slide. <clears throat> this is policy ME12 from the mobility element. And we have a forum, our fourth forum is really zeroing in on this issue of mobility. But I'm just focusing on the idea of maintain the historic character and, and what is it that makes Alameda special and the nature of our streets and our buildings. I think it's important to think about, yeah, it was, we were built around a transportation system that were ferries and streetcars. Now we're rebuilding our ferry system regionally over the last 10 years. The region's made great progress. Um, we have now three ferry terminals in Alameda. Um, and we need to keep investing in our transit systems. Um, they're not streetcars, they're buses. Uh, but that's, that, this general plan is really focusing on those directions in terms of transportation. In this case, for, for tonight's discussion, for the purposes of maintaining our urban form and our character and the things that make Alameda um, special, but it also plays to the other themes as well, the theme of mobility in Alameda, the themes of, in our third workshop, we'll be focusing on the third theme, which is all about climate change and preserving the environment. Um, and then of course, our first, um, our first forum focused on theme number one, which was all about equity and making sure that everybody has equal access to, to everything they need, housing, sources of food, and of course, transportation. So having a strong, public transportation system is, is going to support our first theme of equity and inclusiveness in Alameda as well. So with that, I'll end the presentation. I think that's the last slide. And turn it over to the planning board and the public. Comments we've received so far. Okay, so um, we're back everybody. Can you hear me? Okay. So um, that was a presentation that was given to the planning board under uh, the uh, forum number two on the theme of neighborhood preservation. So um, with that, I, uh, what I wanted to just reiterate is in terms of schedule, this is the um, uh, opportunity for the HAB to comment on the first draft of the general plan. At this point, the city staff has already received um, a lot of comments from the community about the first draft of the general plan. Uh, there's been a lot of input, again, as I mentioned earlier, provided by the Alameda um, Architectural Preservation Society that um, we have, we have staff has accepted and are working on responding. Uh, we anticipate a second draft of the uh, general plan to be released sometime in March um, or after March, along with the environmental impact report. And so after that, um, you will have another opportunity to provide comments. So for tonight, um, as much time as you need or as little time as you want, um, staff is just here to um, accept your comments. Uh, uh, do we have any speakers tonight or are we diving right into this? Um, if anyone would like to speak, please raise your hand. I have one and that's Christopher Buckley. Okay, I think we should let Chris, uh, Mr. Buckley, talk to us before we get into our discussions. 
think Chris is muted there. Can you hear me? We can. Yes. Good. Okay. Um, Christopher Buckley with the Alameda Architectural Preservation Society. As was noted earlier, we did send some comments and uh, I know that board member Jones has not had a chance to look at them. Hopefully the rest of you have though. Uh, they're rather extensive. They're basically comments we'd already submitted to the planning board and you should have gotten them also earlier. We, we CC'd you on uh, whenever we sent them to the planning board. So there were four sets of comments, one for each of the four workshops. The most substantive set is from September 12th. Um, there, there are two things I wanted to call your attention, which are embedded in the comments. First, there's some issues that we had with the document itself. There, a lot of it is vague and ambiguous and internally inconsistent. One of, it's difficult to determine just what the level of development intensity is actually being proposed. For example, there's a land use map that shows um, intensities and gives various classifications like medium density residential, low density residential, and says what the existing intensities are, but doesn't say what the proposed intensities are. So it's very difficult to evaluate the impact of the plan on neighborhoods, particularly historic neighborhoods. We're concerned that it, there's also discussions about upzoning certain areas like along transit corridors without really defining clearly what is meant by transit corridors. But they do, if you take a look at the bus lines, the 51, for example, it goes through the middle of the medium density residential area, which uh, between Park and Webster Street, which is a very large area and contains very large numbers of historic buildings and neighborhoods. So potentially upzoning along, you know, that route, uh, you know, raises, you know, some concerns. And um, both by putting pressure on existing buildings, encouraging developers to replace them with something bigger, including historic buildings, keeping in mind they do need to go through the HAB and the HAB could deny a demolition proposal, but the city council could overrule the HAB, uh, and also infill development that may be out of scale with existing buildings. There is a reference in in um, Director Andrew Thomas's presentation about four-story buildings comfortably coexisting with low density. Not everybody agrees with that, uh, and uh, it's possible, but there really needs to be, it, it, it opens up some issues that need more careful attention than the uh, and then draft plan does. As um, you know, Alan Tyne noted though, staff is reviewing these comments and will be uh, responding to them in the next drafts. And we've been told on several occasions these ambiguities and inconsistencies will be cleared up. Since I have only three minutes and I normally see a timer here, I do not see a timer. So I don't know how much time I've used up. I wanted to- um, You have one more minute, Chris. Okay, well, I'm really trying to get to the most important part of this which is a attachment to our December uh, 13th comments, which uh, lists action steps. They're in the existing plan document. They're not included in the proposed plan document, or they've been reduced in scope or um, extent. And we want to encourage the board to urge staff to put these statements back in. 
there's also some overall statements which we think are very important for setting the tone of the document. Um, since I have limited time, I'm only going to call one to your attention. Um, and I don't know if you have this document in front of you. I was hoping you would. Um, there's uh, concerning city-owned, uh, you know, buildings. So we have policy 331 in the existing plan that says preserve all city-owned buildings and other facilities of architectural, historical, and aesthetic merit. That's all that's in the current draft. But the but the uh, original version the, in the existing plan goes on to say how you do that, how you preserve city-owned buildings and says prepare a list of these facilities and develop a historic facilities management plan that provides procedures for preserving their his character defining elements, including significant interior features and furnishings. Think Carnegie Building, City Hall, Veterans Memorial Building and others. Uh, include in the management plan design guidelines or standards and long-term program to restore significant character defining elements which have been altered. There's other examples of this um, in in our attachment, uh, which which you have available, that should be restored. We are also recommending, uh, this isn't in our comments, it's something we came up with later, but uh, we would also like to recommend the City Institute of Mills Act program that would um, provide reduced property taxes in exchange for restoration of, of historic buildings that have been so designated. I think I've exhausted three minutes, so I'm going to stop. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mr. Buckley. Okay, uh, are there any other speakers? Uh, no one else has raised their hand. Okay, um, then uh, we'll take it upon ourselves to uh, discuss the uh, general plan. And uh, would anybody like to start us off with their, their comments? I certainly, can I have I have quite a few. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think. Thomas, for... uh, sorry, I was going to say that um, I mainly have questions that um, okay. that Alan might be able to to help us um, to help answer for us, and so maybe I could start with my questions, and maybe that will lead to further discussion with regards to some of the specifics. Okay, that's a great idea. I think Would questions okay are a good way to start. Okay, very good. Um, so. Alan, could you, uh, for for the rest of us, could you sort of um, explain to us this concept of upzoning um, that Chris mentioned? I mean, I I think I understand it from reading the their uh, their comments to you as, uh, but I think that for the rest of us, it would be good to sort of have you kind of explain that concept and what it is that is being proposed um, in the sure. in the draft of the general plan. Right. Absolutely. So um, as I had mentioned earlier, the, the uh, a general plan is really a blueprint for development, guiding development in the future. And um, reasonably, the, the um, state of California and, and the Bay Area region is expecting growth, just natural population growth and attrition. I mean, that, that just happens everywhere. Um, the, there is a methodology that the um, Association of Bay Area Governments, which is really the Council of Government um, that oversees the Bay Area, they are responsible for establishing regional planning policy. And, and so they have a specific task of coming up with a methodology that calculates job growth and housing growth. Um, 
And using those numbers, um, we, I mean, there's specific state law about how those numbers feed into how cities plan into the housing. We can get into that a little bit later. But, but basically, that information tells us that, hey, in the city of Alameda, we should anticipate that there will be a need for X amount of jobs and also X amount of housing units over the horizon. So if you look in the um, setting and introduction chapter of the general plan the very beginning, we describe what those numbers are. Um, I believe it's upwards of um, um, at least 6,000 housing units or more just for over the next um, uh, eight to 10 years. Um, so, so the idea of up zoning and zoning is really the tool, the ordinances that we've talked about that implements the general plan policies. So when we talk about up zoning, the, the idea would be you're really establishing development regulations that allow how, you know, the amount of development that can occur on a piece of property. Um, that would be consistent with the general plan. So, so um, just to kind of put it in simple terms, we know that the city will be growing. We know that there will be demand for um, housing and jobs. Where will the city put that growth? Where will we identify, how do we accommodate that growth? And so, um, you know, the, the concept of up zoning is really where we take an existing area of the city uh, and maybe increase the amount of development that we would allow. Um, on uh, on properties within that zone. And so that, that's really what upzoning addresses in this general plan update context. But um, um, I would say that the housing component, uh, the housing element is um, um, has a specific process that will lead us um, into the end of 2020. And that's because this under state law, um, how cities plan for housing in the housing element is very prescriptive. So, um, and, and that, that's actually another subject matter, but, but um, in a nutshell, that's really uh, what upzoning um, addresses. So just, sorry, uh, Thomas, just so that I understand correctly. So we're talking about, say for example, areas that are currently under development like the Alameda Point that the general plan is sort of striving for a higher density than what the current general plan would allow. Is that, would right. that be an example of-, of um, That of is zone? correct. Okay. Right, so uh, for example, yes, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say that, that the general plan items that I read was we're talking about a much wider spread upzoning of Alameda, everything within a quarter mile of major transit corridors which effectively is the entire island being upzoned. Um, so I think we have to keep that in mind. It's yeah, not so just that, isolated areas. Right, and so that was my next question, Alan, because it sounded from AAPS's correspondence that what they were asking for was a little bit of clarity as to sort of the extent, right? So in other words, are we talking about going into existing neighborhoods that are zoned R1 an increasing density in those neighborhoods, or are we talking about areas that are slated as development opportunity zones and, and those areas being allowed higher density through bonuses and that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think what we really mean would be the, um, um, uh, the, the transit corridors that we're really focused on really would be 
um, where our commercial streets are right now, Webster Street, Park Street, the shopping centers, um, and other, other more obvious development sites, um, Encinal Terminals, um, sites that we have already previously um, disclosed or discussed and identified as um, uh, development opportunities. Um, in existing neighborhoods, like uh, if you're talking about the existing single family neighborhood that's built out, I mean, I, I think we also have to be realistic where the development opportunities are. I don't, I just don't see an existing residential neighborhood being redeveloped because they're all, you know, under separate ownership. So really when we're talking about development opportunity in the future in this general plan, it's really going to be um, the commercial corridors, um, shopping centers, and, and some of the other sites that we've talked about already. Well, I think that's an important clarification that that needs to be made to the general plan because it certainly does not limit the um, potential upzoning to the areas that you're talking about. Uh, at but, least in my, in my it, reading also, of it. Right, um, but I also do want to point out, and you know, um, that under state law, uh, for example, accessory dwelling units. I mean, that that um, opens. I mean, any prop residential property in the city of Alameda. And add an ADU, and so um, those 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 are actual new units that um, we do have to acknowledge as being able to address some of the growth needs in the future. Yeah, but I think that those don't have the kind of uh, impact on the community that upzoning, uh, you know, to a multiple-family residence within a single-family district would have. Right. Um, and if the question is whether the city and you know whether city staff is uh, proposing to rezone R one to multifamily, no, that's not that's not what we are discussing. So, in a related question, I saw uh, Member Witt. I, I saw your hand raised a second ago, but I want to ask this question because I think it's related to uh, Member Sanchez's question, and that's concerning uh, the defeat of Measure Z um, and how that would impact some of the general plan provisions that, you know, here the voters of Alameda have said they don't want higher density housing. Um, but I know that, you know, in order to meet our RENA um, obligations that um, there will have to be higher density housing. So how does the general plan address that? Well, so um, the city charter is um, really a local issue, but there's also the city of Alameda also needs to comply with state law. And so um, state law, I and mean, currently we, the city of Alameda, um, we are planning um, and approving multifamily residential projects, but that's um, under, under, that's done under state law. And so that is an issue that uh, this community will have to address. I mean, it is um, an issue in the city charter, but um, we also have to meet um, other obligations. And I think the, um, I mean, this is an, an issue that the uh, city council um, will will have to address um, going forward as, as part of this conversation of the general plan. How do we how do we comply with state law, but also um, you know deal with deal with this issue in the city charter? Okay, uh, Member Witt, did you have a question you wanted to ask? Did you have a question you wanted to ask? Yes. Go ahead. It's all the floor is yours. Sorry, now you can hear me. Um, I, it's sort of in line with that. And I, I was just wondering what percentage of total housing stock is committed to low income in Alameda? Is that something that's within the general general plan? 
Um, I think the general plan, there might be a policy addressing it, but it's, it's actually an ordinance um, that you're asking about. So I, I, the question is, if you're building new housing, what percentage has to be um, devoted to low income, right? inclusionary, that's mm -hmm. called inclusionary housing. Um, the standard is 15%. Um, and and um, as uh, the there's also the statewide standard or yes and and that's also the standard that we have um, citywide with some exception like Alameda Point has has a high, higher requirement but um, well I noticed in the in the um, housing element that we fell pretty far behind on our affordable housing numbers relative to uh, the allotted units that we were uh, supposed to provide and what what is being done to remedy that well um, this is uh, this is not unique to the city of Alameda I think in many communities in California um, in, um, that is the case and in fact uh, the state um, considers um, requirements for affordable housing as a uh, it's almost a, a barrier. Like, so if we, we, if we establish a rule that says you have to have, let's just say 50% of the units affordable, that actually um, would inhibit um, housing development overall. I think the state's um, approach to housing affordability and pricing is, you know, the fundamentals of economics, market demand, supply and demand. And so the more supply you have of housing units that can, um, that ultimately would drive housing prices down. And so um, that's really how the state views this issue. I wonder if that's actually been the case though in, in California. It seems like housing prices just keep going up, 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 even though I know. There's, more there's are built so much... every day. And if we're not gonna approve the Z measure, then we're really pushing out a big percentage of what makes our community great. So, I mean, that might be worth looking at, I think in the city of Alameda is maybe increasing that percentage so that we can maintain the character of this community. Member Lau. Yeah, uh, I just have a question now. You guys mentioned about uh, the up zoning. So meaning in the future, is it like um, meaning Alameda will be allowed the up, up zoning like the more will become like commercial, become a misuse, meaning is that they will build more about residential on the top? Is it, is it like uh, upzoning mean like that because we need more housing uh, for that? So I think um, in the context of the general plan, we're, we're really focused on goals, um, objectives and policies. The general plan is a policy document. It doesn't specifically say where you can build what and, and what size. So um, the, the policies in our general plan, if you focus on the themes, it's, it's all about trying to um, take advantage of existing infrastructure, trying to put uh, new development near transit to de-emphasize the automobile, right? That was mentioned in the um, presentation you just saw. And so those are the strategies that we are, um, that we are focused on now. Could that reasonably lead to um, upzoning of specific property? As I mentioned earlier, I think that will be a strategy that staff will look at. Um, but you know, even after we adopt a new general plan, there needs to be amendments to the zoning ordinance in order to really allow it to happen, right? The zoning ordinance 
um, and its regulations implement the general plan policy. So that, that will be another um, effort um, after the general plan is, um, is completed. But yes, the, the policy points to um, trying to intensify areas that seem to make the most sense, which would be locations near transit, near jobs, um, in ways where we can take advantage of um, existing infrastructure and services. But Measure C is not allowed, me, right now it's not approved, right? Meaning is, is it in the future, like um, even though they allow to upzoning, meaning is that they will not allow like maybe big original ideas that maybe the uh, Southland Mall build about like maybe eight or 10, you, I mean, eight or 10 level or more, more than 10 level, the 10, uh, is it like meaning is that they only allow maybe even though upzoning is only allow maybe like four level each building, including the, um, the I mean, commercial on the bottom. Yeah. So let's let's clarify what um, what we are talking about when we talk about Measure Z and and, oh. our, and we, we, that really refers to um, Measure Z is really a proposal to amend Article Twenty Six of the City Charter, which specifically addresses how many units can be in a structure and and um, actually it's it's. Uh, density, one unit per 2,000 square feet of land area. So really it's 22 units per acre, but that's all it says. It doesn't say anything about building height. It doesn't say anything about building form. Um, and so those are all uh, matters of the zoning ordinance, the zoning regulations. And like I said, again, um, there, are, there, there are state law provisions in state law like density bonus, um, and even in more recent years, many other um, Senate bills have been passed that that um, that require cities like Alameda to approve um, certain housing projects um, that that's not consistent with um, Article 26. And how has that been accomplished in the past with these with the current uh, development that we're seeing? Is that through a zoning overlay program uh, um, it's city or? It's a combination of the multifamily, the MF multifamily overlay, as well as density bonus law. So okay. what density bonus law is, is um, you're, you're proposing, you're a housing developer, you're proposing residential project, you're meeting the city's um, inclusionary requirement, but on top of that, you're providing additional units. And because you're additional affordable units, and because you're providing those additional affordable units, and it's based on a formula prescribed under under our ordinance, um, you get a certain amount of additional units as a bonus, and you all you may also request waivers, waivers of development standards, rules um, that are on city books that prevent you from building that project. And so the the project, the multifamily projects that the city has approved in the past, have all con uh, included a waiver to the prohibition um, to that multifamily prohibition in Article 26. Okay. Are there other questions? Member Sanchez, you're muted. So the, the other question I had, Alan, was with regards to the, the Mills Act. And so maybe you could clarify for us. My understanding was that the Mills Act is already um, 
something that can be relied upon for um, you know for projects that that strive to uh, to preserve historic buildings is that is that not the case and is there a reason uh, that, why we have to codify it in the in the general plan yeah so um, state law only sets up the framework of the program but cities have to formally adopt it um, in the past past Alameda city councils um, have uh, decided not to um, institute a Mills Act program so which is why we don't we don't have one in place, um, but staff believes it's a good idea. And, and you've heard me recommend it to this board as um, something we want to include as part of our um, preservation ordinance update. And so that's something that the general plan would set up a policy that can say, hey, the city should have a um, should have incentives for historic preservation, such as the Mills Act. And then what we would do to implement that policy would be to write a preservation ordinance that spells out how that how the mechanics work out. Okay, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, and I'm sure the city council would want to know uh, or budget for what the impact of that could be on an annual basis. You know, how many people would apply and and what kind of tax impact there would be as a result. Mm -hmm. right. um, more questions? Any, any other questions? These are all, you know, great points everybody's making. Member Witt. So um, I, I have been wondering what um, under, the, this is such a large plan, it's so hard to concentrate. I'm not sure if we were supposed to just concentrate on, on the historical aspect of it, but I see other things that are not related to, to the historical aspect that I, that I would like to ask questions about. So is it okay to, to ask those questions? Sure, absolutely. Um, and if you and if you have questions that you realize you have forgotten to ask later, um, you know, I, I I'd take this time to make the pitch. www.alameda2040.org is where okay. um, anybody who's interested can go and, and find out how to provide comments um, or ask questions. And and um, there are also surveys on that website for you to. Um, for, for the city to take your feedback on some of the policies. And we encourage you to take the surveys and um, also spread the word to your neighbors and friends. Okay. Um, mine, mine is concerning around, is concerning child, affordable childcare and childcare centers. We don't have a lot of them in Alameda. Um, and I think maybe that's something that we should address in the general plan. Um, you know, having, we don't, in the U.S., we don't take a European, I think, child approach to child care. Well, we don't really, we don't really look at it as, as part of a city, but it, it, it may, it, it should be, because you know, in order to have, in order to be able to live in the Bay Area, two parents need to work, and we need a working child care system, and we just, we don't have one in, in Alameda. And even though many, many people, I think, move from, from San Francisco to Alameda to have children and to, to start their families, the infrastructure doesn't exist here. And so it might be worth um, looking into that. Thank you. Um, I, I think we're at the point where we can start making comments. Um, I, I would like us to kind of focus our comments on elements that are within the purview of the Historic Advisory Board. I, I because I think that the 
the document, the general plan is is so complex and lengthy, and um, there's just so much to get into that we would be here all night, you know, easily, kind of going over item by item. So if we can, if we can kind of focus more on preservation issues um, and housing issues um, in our neighborhoods, that would be my preference. And then, as Alan, uh, Mr. Tai, recommended going to the, uh, the survey sites to make additional comments. And I know as I was going through the plan that I, I had equal numbers or maybe possibly more comments about the general plan that weren't related to historic preservation. So um, I certainly will be doing that. Um, so is there anybody would like to, um, to start? And are you gonna ask me to start? Oh, oh member Sanchez steps up again. Okay, well, the, since I have a short, um, maybe it's a question as well as a comment, I guess. Okay. Um, so for, for me, I would say that with regards to AAPS's feedback, I, I would say that I strongly agree that the action items should be incorporated. And I wondered, Alan, whether that, I know that you're in the process of sort of um, incorporating their, their suggestions into the new, into the updated draft. Is, are those suggested items uh, to be incorporated or, or are you able to give us any feedback on that? Um, I believe we are working on, um, we aren't tr trying to address a lot of those comments. So questions about uh, better defining the intensity of development, you know. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I wanna mention is that the um, A bag, had just recently released their methodology. And, and if you follow any of the um, city council discussions, there's, a lot, there's been a lot of discussion about um, whether the city should be um, looking at, you know, uh, questioning or contesting the methodology or later um, contesting the actual regional housing needs allocation numbers. That's the, the, the Acronym RENA refers to that term, and uh, which really is the um, assignment of the housing responsibility for the city of Alameda. So, you know, again, going back to the notion that the, the region is growing and there's an ex anticipated uh, housing need over the next um, eight years. And so each city is responsible for some, for its fair share. And so the Alameda's fair share is anticipated it to be about uh, 1% or somewhere around um, like 5,000 units. So, um, so that converse, that those numbers and that methodology would sort of drive our representation of the intensities of growth in the general plan as we move forward. And, and more of that information would be covered in the housing element. So kind of, sorry, a long explanation to, to that um, point, but yeah. that's, that's all in a grow. No, and, and, and so maybe um, I, I wasn't clear, Alan. So what I was, what I was trying to get at is that uh, in, in Mr. Buckley's uh, comments and in his letter, uh, I believe that one of the things that AAPS is requesting is that, is that the action items that are included in the current general plan um, that aren't inclusive in the draft, that they be included in, in future drafts, right? And the way that I was understanding their request is that what they're 
what they're saying is rather than broadly stating a policy that that policy is further uh, defined by these sort of action items. And so that, that was, I guess, my question, or, or maybe my feedback would be that I, I would agree, for example, if we're talking about, um, you know, implementing policies for architectural resources, that I think mm -hmm. that the, the points that are, the bullet points that are currently not in the, in the language of the draft, that those should be included. It, it seems to me like that, um, uh, that would be a good, you know, a good suggestion. So that was. Yes. Should, should that be an action item for our committee to uh, make a motion to approve that these items are included or does that need to happen? Well, I think staff, uh, like I said, staff has taken um, the comments and we are working. What, what it is is um, the format of the general plans are very different. The 1991 general plan has goals, policies, and, and, they, you know, and I believe uh, the action items. This new general plan formatting has goals, objectives, there's policies. And, and so um, it's, it's a matter of like the, the city design um, uh, bullet points that were raised in, in um, Mr. Buckley's letter. I mean, those, those we will look at incorporating, so. Uh, so you don't need an action yeah, it's, from it's this just, committee to, no. to, to include those. Because right. I, I agree with uh, Member Sanchez that, you know, these are, are really good points and uh, yes. should be looked at very carefully. Yeah, I, I think my, my only other comment was with regards to um, the transit corridors. And I think that when I, when I read transit corridors, I, I don't necessarily follow the 51 or the 19 block by block and feel like that's what it's referencing. And, and so I think that the language could be cleaned up a little bit to, to clarify the way that you explained it to us, Alan, that the, that the transit corridors really refer to sort of the major, you know, we're talking about Park Street, we're talking about Webster Street, we're not necessarily talking about um, the areas where, you know, the 19 or the 51 are going through heavily residential areas like Santa Clara for the 51 or Buena Vista. Uh, I, I, if I understood correctly, that was, that was your, your response to that. So it seems like cleaning up that language to clarify that that's really what we're describing. Uh, would not yes, be and for the most part, but uh, what I would clarify is we probably will not specify like the AC transit line numbers, bus numbers, because sure. those are fairly, fairly fluid. This is really a long-term plan. So again, if you're thinking about the context, I mean, who knows what's going to happen next year, or even in 10 years or 15 or 20 years, um, you know, the, the, the goal and the policy is where there is good, reliable transit would be where we would want to, um, want to place development. And so, of course, you have to factor that in the context of a number of other um, variables, right? Um, neighbor character, you know, what's a good place to put new development? Sure. Um, so. Okay, thanks. Yeah, and uh, you know, bus ridership is way down right now. So we have to look at those potential issues for the future as well. Yeah, I watched the 51 bus drive by empty uh, multiple times a day. Um, so um, Member Sanchez, any other comments? No, thank you. Those were my comments, thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, other Member Lau, did you want to say something? Yeah, actually, I, I just uh, I just thinking about it is that on the general plan, most of the developer 
because most of the historical house and um, older building, they have more land. And uh, so we put something like um, in the general plan, because it's, uh, most of the developer will focus on the, well, because they have more land, right? And then they were just saying, like, well, if I grab like one or two, and then we got approval from, from the city, and then like we'll be build more housing in there. So <laughs> my question is like, so we put more about common, I mean, more restriction on the, like people want to grab the certain land for historical building, because uh, um, if they want to do something development, do you put more about more restriction in the future? I mean, more, more restriction than the other normal or? Should be okay. I mean, so board members, is your question whether the city should be imposing greater restrictions on um, um, changes to historic properties because there the may be development pressure? Yeah. Is that yeah. is yeah. that your question? If I understand it, yeah, because um, it's a because it's a because of historical building or uh, some older building. They have more land. I mean, so the developer may be more target on that kind of building, and then and then I like talk with the council member, and I mean, I don't know. This is what my, my is it? I'm, yeah, you correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think from the way I would address that, uh, board member Lao is, um, I think as it stands, the city has pretty. Uh, strong demolition controls. Um, what, we say, what we say in the general plan, actually from more of a uh, sustainability perspective is we, um, I don't think we have it in there now, but we did receive a comment about um, encouraging adaptive reuse of existing buildings, you know, really for, to, to leverage, you know, the, the um, um, that embodied energy that's already in the building from a sustainability point of view. So we, we are working on um, um, addressing that issue for, for historic buildings. And I think there are other policies in place that um, call for protecting um, the historic buildings. Um, what it really comes, what that really, once those policies are in place, what that comes down to would be how the policies are actually implemented. So that might be more of a, a detail that we focus on when we come back and work on the preservation ordinance. Um, just to add to that comment, I, and I'm not saying this is what uh, board member Lau was saying, but um, I think that we don't wanna necessarily come off as like anti-development either. I mean, for sure we want to preserve and um, it incentivized restoration, but um, a prominent building that we have that's in um, huge disrepair is that Dole factory on the northern shore of Alameda. And without development, I think that it would just be a site that is um, not used to its full potential. And I think that's a huge project that we are um, overseeing or at least it's going through the process of the historical advisory board and, you know, um, planning and development and city hall and um, all of that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we just want to make sure that these old historical buildings, um, especially of that size and scale, is being used to its 
full potential, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. you're, you're referring to the Del Monte project, right? Oh yeah, the Del Monte. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant, the Del Monte. <laughs> I think we knew we knew what you meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I and you know to that point, that's exactly um, what this general plan is trying to uh, address: is really encouraging good adaptive reuse. You know that's sensitive to existing neighborhoods, um, and you know there's there um, and really um, also addressing kind of the sustainability aspect of reusing old buildings. I think that's that's an important theme that's that's kind of missing from a lot of the general plan, and I'm glad to hear that. Um, that's being worked on. No, I want to mention about I agree the uh, board member Tong mentioned about it, but my point is say I don't want to. Um, well, I, I totally agree that uh, Alameda needs to some developer to doing something like the, the project. But my question just say um, I don't want to some developer just because the land you know his uh, old building historical building more land, so they are just focus on target on that. This is what I mean. So yeah, but I agree you. Yeah, yeah, a uh, board member, Jung, you, you say that. Um, well, I guess uh, to keep the conversation moving, I'll, I'll make some comments. Um, I thought that one of the, the comments that Mr. Buckley made about the, uh, the general plan lacking uh, real specific information about the, the proposed development zoning densities is a really is a critical point because you know if you are going to be up zoning portions of Alameda we really under, need to understand what the density implications are what the height implications are um, and then when we have the the, 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 the bonus concept with the state um, added on top of that we almost have to factor that in knowing that the developers will take advantage of that bonus um, so I think that the that some specific information is necessary to really understand the impact of the general plan in, in those areas. And the, the, the maps that are included in the general plan right now don't really give us any sense of that at all. Um, and I know it's meant to be general, but I, I think you have to get into the weeds a little bit in order to have an understandable plan. <clears throat> um, and and Teresa, would you like staff to address that question? Um, so, so regarding densities, when we talk about densities, we're really talking about housing densities, right? And so I go back to the housing element process. So again, the housing element process has a specific timeline um, uh, prescribed under state law. And so the, the, what, what has to come first is um, I, uh, just last month, uh, ABAG released their methodology to come up with the number for the RENA. Um, later on um, this year, there would be an actual release of the RENA number for every city. And then there's a public process for cities to appeal and, and debate why or why we shouldn't have that um, allocation. Um, and then at a certain point, it gets finalized. And then city staff would have to start working on the housing element. The housing element under state law specifically requires that we produce and uh, we, we go through an adequate sites inventory exercise and with the deliverable being a map and a list of the specific sites in Alameda where we anticipate that development. So we're not there yet, I mean, which is why our map right now, the journal plan that we're producing really is based on the information that we know as of today. 
Um, there will be in the housing element that's part of the general plan, but it comes in a um, in a in a later stage, if if you will, um, that has the specifics identifying the sites, the uh, parcel numbers, the ex anticipated uh, number of units and density um, that we that we believe will occur on every site. If you get a chance to take a look at the um, existing, the current general plan, you go to the housing element, which was uh, adopted in 2014, I believe, you will see a similar map and a list of um, properties. Okay, thank you. So there'll be more specificity coming. I, I, good, I think that's an important thing. Um, just kind of uh, to targeting certain um, specific items in the, in the general plan, LU3 neighborhood design, I thought that it was a little weak in that um, we should be looking for alterations that require that alterations in existing uh, neighborhoods conform to the overall neighborhood context, the design context, that there really isn't much there that would uh, keep any infill development consistent with the neighborhood standards. It just I know it's it's the intent. I, I get the sense from listening to Andrew Thomas and listening to you, Alan, um, that that's the intent. But I think it's not expressed very strongly in the general plan. Um, the uh, LU nine protect business and residential um, in, from from as a residential intrusion um, immediately made me think about Alameda Marina. And um, that was an historic site that was, you know, pretty much leveled for new housing development. And, um, and it makes me think in the future about the Shipways um, site. And I know that's a targeted site for housing development. And I would hope that as part of that um, process that we ask the developers to work to protect and preserve those uh, historic buildings. Um, and not just have a free-for-all, uh, wipe the site clean and put up a sign, historic building was here. Um, I think we can do that. Um, and I think it just needs to be part of our, our, our view of the importance of our historic buildings in, on the, in the city you know, uh, neighborhoods. Um, under LU15 transit-oriented infill development, there's a, a description of underutilized parcels, which I think needs to be defined. Uh, and maybe it is somewhere else in the, um, the municipal code. But to me, that's a very vague and um, kind of scary, uh, potentially scary uh, description, underutilized parcels. And it, that's, that's a lot of different things to different people. Um, and I think that could be defined a little more carefully or not used. Um, and if there are sites that have potential historical or cultural value, I would hope that, you know, as part of our process of evaluating that site, there would be um, an assessment uh, of the historic significance uh, before uh, determining that it's underutilized or no value. Um, under LU 16, City Charter and Municipal Code Amendments. Uh, he, this is where I sort of made my comments about um, 
the AAPS's uh, amendments, and I think that yeah, I think they're right on target. Um, I think we've talked about the other things I was mentioning there. Uh, LU 18, balanced regional housing needs and business needs. Um, I think we, I, again, this is kind of reiterating what we've already talked about, uh, defining what the upzoning locations are and what that what the impact would be. Um, Just looking at my own notes here and editing. Uh, I think uh, LU 22 Alameda Point Enterprise Subdistrict, you know, it talks a lot about uh, business growth and, uh, you know, biotech and various industries locating uh, on the Naval Air Station. And, you know, by the general plans de emphasis of the automobile, I think were neglecting the need to do some real traffic planning uh, and truck planning access for the Naval Air Station. Um, any business that's gonna locate in that area is gonna need access for automobiles and trucks. Um, and so I'm not sure it's wise to de-emphasize um, the automobile. I think it's a good idea to emphasize pedestrian and bicycle use, but by de-emphasizing the automobile, you're almost neglecting to do the necessary planning that, um, you know, obviously we're gonna have our cars and there's gonna be lots of them. Um, they're under LU 23, excuse me, um, Alameda Point Adaptive Reuse Subdistrict. It refers to the uh, Secretary of Interior standards for residential use. I'm not aware of that standard. Um, I'm asking if you meant rehabilitation or the treatment of historic properties, but I don't think there is such a thing as the Secretary of Interior standards for residential use. Um, the And I'm, I'm happy to, Alan, to send these comments to you. I'm sorry that they're so lengthy. Um, yeah, absolutely. Any uh, written comments that you may have, you could send them to me. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, go through them quickly here. Uh, I'm actually skipping quite a bit, um, believe it or not. Um, uh, under LU 26, cultural resources and historic preservation. Um, demolition controls are not well defined. Um, it, it, it makes reference to uh, appropriate alterations um, whenever feasible. And I think that if you use a word, if you use the words whenever feasible, you're, you're just asking people to ignore your, your, um, the goal of your <laughs> standards. So, um, I think you should remove the words or we should remove the words whenever feasible from that particular uh, item. Um, I think that's actually, I, I have that comment on a couple of different, uh, on LU 27 again, it says to the extent practical and feasible. Um, I, I think you should 
we should try to say what we want and and leave it at that and not not open the door to non-compliance um i know i know that reading back uh in the 1970s when we were first dealing with the secretary of interior standards um it's it had words and and uh definitions you know thou shall meet the the standard the uh, whenever possible. And that language has been entirely removed from that document because there was so much pushback from developers on, well, it didn't say I had to do this. It just said whenever possible. And uh, so I think that that kind of, it's a little wishy-washy to, to, to add that those words. I think you need to say what you want. Um, uh, so under the, um, C, I have CU1, and I forget what that refers to, but uh, community action. Um, I think we need to include building preservation as a climate-friendly activity. Right now, we're talking about climate-friendly new buildings, but building preservation is actually more climate-friendly than building new buildings, and it's not even mentioned. Um, so, you know, new buildings obviously require uh, significant or provide significant carbon emissions. There's a you know, resource depletion, there's energy use. Existing buildings do just the opposite. Um, so I think that in th this, this comment, I'll kind of go through many aspects of the, the plan. I think we just need to talk about preservation more and include it more. Um, CC12, climate-friendly transit-oriented development um, again, promoting preservation and adaptive reuse um, whenever possible. Um, net CC15, net zero energy and green building. I would add preservation and adaptive reuse of existing buildings as a green building approach, which is currently not included. Um, CC16, electrifying Alameda's buildings. Um, here's a sort of a personal comment. Um, one of my pet peeves in Alameda is the extensive overhead electrical wires, sort of an, an 1850s technology for getting power to our buildings. And, and you know, we're talking about promoting the electrification of all buildings in Alameda uh, as being the preferred way to go. I think at the same time we're doing that, we should be looking at undergrounding as much of the electrical wiring and cable wiring as we can to you know, basically beautify our neighborhoods and to uh, promote uh, safer street conditions, you know, in the event of earthquakes, fires, that kind of thing. Um, uh, CC17, energy efficiency and conservation. Uh, again, I have adding preservation and adaptive reuse as um, an element of that category. Um, housing element. Item E, general plan consistency. Um, this is something that came up a lot in the, in the Measure Z um, information as well. They're pictured as a historic multifamily dwelling in a medium density neighborhood. And <clears throat> if that were, if the example that was given in that picture is what de current developers were building, I don't think anybody would have any problem with increasing density in these neighborhoods. But that's not what we're seeing the developers building these days. Um, so I think it's really misleading to 
have an example of, of that type of development and call that the future of our, you know, residential neighborhoods. It's not, it's not going to get built that way. Yeah, I think the purpose of that photo is um, is really to explain that there were densities, um, sure. uh, higher densities um, back in the day. That's really the, the well, idea. I, my point is that if it could be achieved <laughs> in that manner with that architectural mm -hmm. architectural articulation and attractiveness and just it would be a different story. But but we're facing, you know, developments like at Sherman and Buena Vista, which are not that and uh, clearly don't fit into the neighborhood and um, you know just need a whole lot better design oversight. Um, HE7, uh, promote the conservation and rehabilitation of the city's existing housing stock. Um, again, it, re it refers to underutilized sites as being a priority for development. And I, I just need to have that that needs to be defined what underutilized sites means. Um, and, you know, if we are up zoning areas and allowing single family homes to be converted into multifamily residential properties, um, is this an opportunity for the city to require uh, affordable housing? Um, if you say, take, take a single family home and make it four units, um, is there an opportunity there to ask for, you know, one affordable unit um, to help meet our affordable uh, housing goals? Um, under HE 8.1 amnesty program, um, does the city have any idea of the number of illegal rental <laughs> units in the, in, in the city boundaries? Because um, it seems to me we're probably a lot further along with our housing, meeting our housing requirements, our regional housing requirements, uh, but we just don't know about it. Is that something? I that... think there's an estimate somewhere, but um, I don't, I don't know exactly on top of my head. Okay, because when I walk around my neighborhood, it's almost all rental, um, and many single-family homes have been converted into multiple-family homes. Um, and I just wonder if we're actually getting accurate numbers to um, respond to our RENA uh, allotments. And I would hope that, you know, we could be, you know, if we're gonna be adding 5,000 new units in the next 10 years, and we've just added 3,000 units in the past five years, um, at some point we're gonna have to start, <laughs> we, we're not, we're gonna run out of uh, space to, to keep growing. And knowing what we have, I think, is an important uh, aspect of that. Um, this is a, a very minor item uh, under 12.2, promote energy conservation. It refers to promoting uh, compact fluorescent lights. And it just struck me as funny. I think we should remove that. Uh, compact fluorescents are not <clears throat> something that we want to promote. It's an old technology. It's been replaced completely, almost completely by LEDs in, tech, in 10 years, it will be completely uh, outdated. Um, and then HE14, HE15, I both, I thought both those uh, particular items were good. And, um, and with that, finally, um, I am gonna stop my comments. Um, anybody want to uh, 
anybody uh, want to comment back <laughs> to me on any of those items? <laughs> no, further comments? Member Jones, Witt, you guys have any additional questions or comments that you want to include? I just have one. Um, I think uh, when it comes to base usage, um, I don't have a particular uh, item, but I, I think we're excluding um, we're we're excluding arts in in so much of our um, of our 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 building stock. We're we're not we have a production studio here. We have artists that are working on the base. Um, you know, art is. Art, art makes towns livable. And so we need to make sure that we, we, we implement those wherever we can to, um, you know, to help preserve that space so that it can be created. That's a good point. I think that um, with the development of the Naval Air Station that um, it probably will force some of those tenants out. And it's too bad. I know I, know I have a couple of friends that have, um, have wood shops and metal shops on the base. Very good point. Others, other Were points? There, Go yeah. ahead. Well, I was just gonna say that, um, well, first of all, thank you to the board for uh, all the questions and comments. Um, a lot of what I've heard at the planning board um, from public comments and also just reviewing um, the input that we've received offline, um, uh, fall in the same kind of categories and themes, more um, having more specificity about what we mean about intensity growth in the future. Um, one thing I do want to say though is um, sort of the, um, in terms of the use of the language, such as things like if feasible and practical, this is a, really a policy document. It's not really the same as a standards document like the Secretary of the Interior Standards. So um, in some cases, I mean, we will revisit the wording and the language and wordsmith it just to make sure that we address any, um, uh, any vagueness or, um, um, possible misinterpretation of the of the policy, but um, for the most part, this should be again the context would be long term thinking. This is overarching guiding policies, um, and then where we fill in the blank would be the actual implementation, the ordinances, the regulations that you will see later on in, in um, things like the preservation ordinance, um, and then of course all the uh, uh, the themes about sustainability and preservation are in use. That's something that we're, um, we're, we've heard loud and clear um, in other forums as well, and we're also good. working on. And those are very good comments. Thank you. Good. Well, if there uh, are no other comments from the board, then um, we, can, we can close out this item. Um, raise your hand if you want to make a comment. OK. Then moving along to uh, agenda item number eight, board communications. Do we have any communications? No. Uh, item number nine, staff communications. So yes, um, I just wanted to update the board on the status of the preservation ordinance. Um, um, we have not scheduled it on the agenda because um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I wanted the opportunity to hear this board provide comments on the um, overall themes of the general plan. Because again, the preservation ordinance that we uh, that you'll be working on and, and um, recommending council approval 
will be to implement these overarching policies in the general plan. So I wanted you to, wanted to take a pause, have you um, get a chance to review the general plan policies, and then with that um, in your mind, provide input on the ordinance. Um, the other thing too is um, um, in terms of scheduling um, and, and sort of next steps on the preservation ordinance, I think given the interest of time, um, rather than spreading out uh, the preservation ordinance um, in sections and going coming to you every month with a different section, um, I think my plan would be to try to do as much work as on it as possible and then kind of bring back, um, um, my goal would be to bring, bring a draft ordinance to you and then focus on some key issues like the Mills Act, like how we, you know, what sort of protections you, you would want to see and so forth. So um, that's something that I'm, um, that staff is still working on. And then that's mainly because um, I am anticipating that uh, you will, you might be busy this spring with um, having to consider um, some projects that we have received at staff level. So that's sort of the plan for the preservation ordinance. Good. It's good to hear that we're gonna be uh, meeting more regularly this year. We hope and anticipation. Okay, good. Um, our next item is oral communications. I don't know what the distinction of that really is. Alan, would you explain that to me? Oh, um, this is, um, so oral communications is another opportunity for anybody in the audience okay. who wishes to address the board on, um, I, on an item not on tonight's agenda. I see, so it's a non-agendized item. So um, I don't know if that's the case or not. So do we have any oral communications from any of our viewers? Do we have any viewers? Artie, no. raise, uh, your, raise your, please raise your hand. Uh, no one's raising their hand right now. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, and with that, uh, we've reached the end of our, our meeting tonight. Uh, I appreciate everybody's comments. That was a very productive discussion. Um, and uh, I'd like to adjourn the meeting. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone. Happy New Year. Bye. Happy New Year.